Recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge, high atop the Simon Van Gelder building in beautiful Midtown Portsmouth, Virginia. It's Phantasmo After Dark with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host, Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic, Battle Beyond the Stars. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the old podcast. Hey there, Phyllis. Hey, Rob. And here we are again with another Roger Corman epic adventure. Say it ain't so. <laughs> I can't imagine why we would do another Roger Corman movie. Because everybody loves Roger Corman. Especially us. Yeah. And this is one, again, you know, I say this, a lot of stuff pops up here, and I always say, I'm surprised we haven't talked about this one yet. And here's one, again, I'm surprised we haven't talked about this one yet. <laughs> this is one of Corman's best known ones, you know, for the over-the-top cheese factor and uh, the incredible cast list. Indeed. And overall, it's not a bad little movie. It's a it's a low-budget, cheesy sci-fi movie, and it's a lot of fun. It's not great by any means, but it's not bad, you know? I'm sure there are plenty of people who would say that it's bad, but I had a great time watching it. It yeah. was a lot of fun to me. Like I said, it's not, it's not great. Yeah. No, it's not a great film by any means. A lot but of dialogue's it was a little cheesy, you know, but it is fun. And the, the effects are, are 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 pretty good. I mean, some of them are a little cheesy, but it's not bad. Yeah. And we'll talk about the effects team in, in a little bit. The thing about this that nabs you right off the bat is the cast. I mean, you know, before we even get into the plot, let me just read off the cast list of this thing. It's okay. crazy. Richard Thomas, John Boy Walton, Robert Vaughn, George Papard. John Saxon, Sybil Danning, Sam Jaffe, Morgan Woodward, Earl Boeing, I, th- I think that's how he pronounced his name, I can't remember, Jeff Corey, Marta Kristen, uh, Julia Duffy. Now, some of those people, you may not recognize their names, but you damn sure recognize their faces, because they've yeah. been all over the place. <laughs> Julia Duffy was on Newhart for however many years that was on. Mm-hmm. You know, Marta Kristen... Uh, Judy, Lost in Space. Right. Jeff Corey, tons of stuff. Earl Boeing was the guy. He was a psychologist in Terminator 1 and 2. Oh, right. Uh, Morgan Woodward, everything. Did did some Star Trek, a mm-hmm. couple different Star Trek episodes. Uh, Sam Jaffe is this older actor that you have seen in everything. <laughs> uh, Sybil Danning, well, Sybil Danning. saying Sybil Danning. John Saxon, I don't even need to address that. No, no, not necessary. And George Papard, this was pre-A-Team. Okay. So this is just before he got A-Team. Uh, this was 1980, by the way. Of course, Robert Vaughn, Man from Uncle, mm-hmm. and you know all this other stuff. And of course, Richard Thomas was in Steven Exit and was on the Waltons forever. That's where he's really known for, you know, right. most. So you got this handful of, you know, character actors. A big, a bit, really big list of, of, you know, some names there. Yeah. And then, of course, Roger Corman produced mm-hmm. and co-directed, but uncredited. Okay. Uh, John Sayles was the writer, and he also wrote Piranha oh. and Howling. Gotcha. And uh, a bunch of other things, but for our purposes, those are the two ones we'd be most interested in. Yeah. James Horner did the music, who went on to do Wrath of Khan and Star Trek Three, and right, a ton right. of other scores. Some awesome stuff. Yeah. The director, though, actually was uh, Jimmy Murakami. Murakami he did Humanoids from the Deep. Okay, I was gonna say I know that name, yeah. but he I couldn't also did remember heavy what metal. From... 
Oh, okay. Anime. He did a lot of animated stuff too mm. uh, before that, but those were the the two biggies. Nice. Yeah. Now, well, we'll go ahead. Since we're talking about the crew and all, we're going to talk about the cast. We'll get into the plot in a minute. Sure. Plot's kind of secondary. Here's the plot. <laughs> Here's the plot. It's a space remake of Magnificent Seven, which is a remake of Seven Samurai. Indeed. <laughs> so there's your plot. More on that later. Yeah. Apparently, Bill Paxton was a set builder, carpenter on this. No way. Before he got into acting. Huh. Yeah. And Go I was reading figure. some stuff on him, and it's, it was saying that um, he was really a, the same guy you see on camera. Mm-hmm. Nice guy. You know, well, except when he played Chet. <laughs> and kept everybody laughing the whole time while they were working. That's you awesome. Know? But the cool thing is the effects, some of the visual effects, special effects, and it's he moved up the ladder when people got fired or quit or whatever. But James Cameron, mm-hmm. this was one of his first projects that really got him into business and got known. Okay. He was a model maker on this and then worked up to like effect supervisor and motion camera. So guy. how how do you work? your way up in one movie people just kept getting fired and left the yeah. show yeah and they needed somebody and he knew a little bit more than the next anybody person? else that was there <laughs> that's funny so he said sure you know and he ended up pulling it off wow you good know? for him yeah oh and also too something by the effects in this i was reading and we've got to go check this out a lot of the visual effects shots of the starships and the mm-hmm. space fights were reused in other corman movies oh really yeah one called Space Raiders and another uh, Wizards of the Lost Kingdom. Oh, well, put those on the list. Yeah. We have to watch them now. So we definitely have to check those out. Oh, darn. We have to watch more Corman films. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, and talking about reusing stuff, the James Horner score, mm-hmm. apparently they reused for uh, Corman's Fantastic Four. Oh. At well, least in the trailer. It might have been the opening credits of the movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, well, I haven't seen it in a while either, but I'm surprised we wouldn't have recognized it a little bit. I really need to get a good copy of that, because as bad or as cheesy as that is, for my money, it's still more enjoyable to watch than those two big budget pieces of crap. Speaking of budget, this thing was Corman's, to that to date, or to the date when this came out, Mm -hmm. his highest budgeted picture at $2 million. Wow. And apparently the bulk of that went for Papard and Vaughn's salaries because they had such high <laughs> asking salaries. Well, so what had Papard done prior to this if he hadn't done 18 Oh, jeez, Papard. I mean, I know he's done a lot. Yeah. But... We had a TV show called Banachek. He was okay. a private investigator. He was in the Blue Max and um, How the West Was Won. And, oh, God, okay. I, I guess I just yeah. didn't realize he had done but not so much stu- that yeah. he got his name yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He was never... Or in... that would qualify him to get such a big salary, He was like between it's... A and B list. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. He did a lot of stuff, but a lot of stuff that's it's not genre, so it wouldn't not fly right radar. in our radar yeah. Yeah, as much, you know. <laughs> like Robert Vaughn, who, you know, Man from Uncle. I mean... Yeah. Cult favorite, classic. Right. You know. Now, the plot of this thing, it, like we said, is basically... Magnificent Seven in space. And, of course, Robert Vaughn's basically playing the same character he played in Magnificent Seven. Right. And somebody was saying, something I was reading that his dialogue is, some of it's kind of lifted right from that. Oh, wow. Yeah, but, you know, God, it's been 100 years since I've seen Yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time. I couldn't tell you. But this planet called, was it Akir? Akir. And the people are the Akira which is a nod and a wink to Akira Kurosawa, who 
did back in um, Seven Samurai. Mm-hmm. They're under attack by Space Saxon. And <laughs> Space Saxon. His guys. <laughs> yeah, I think his name was Sador. Yeah, I think that's right. But I like Space Saxon better. I, I do too. Well, they they put space in front of everything in this movie. <laughs> I, at first, Papard's introduced as cowboy, and later on, they just call him Space, space Cowboy. cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Space Saxon. Uh, he's attacking this planet because he wants to take it over. And he says, I'll give you till seven turns of your sun or or seven moons or whatever. After your harvest. Yeah. Seven moons. And then, I, then I'll come back and you'll submit. I don't know why he chose that. But Just because. So, he's conquering everything. Yeah, so they send out John Boy to go find, <laughs> Space John Boy, to go find uh, mercenaries to help them uh, battle these bad guys. Yes, which goes against everything they believe in because they're pacifists. Yeah, they're complete pacifists. They have no weapons. They have no... All the thing is, all they have is art and culture. Yeah. And harvesting food and stuff like that. So they have this one ship that Jeff Corey, he's Mm -hmm. the blind elder of the the people. Right. Who used to be a fighter. And that was his ship. Mm Mm-hmm. But apparently Space John Boy has flown it a few times and the ship has an AI... Named Nell. Named Nell, who's kind of a smart aleck, mm-hmm. female AI. But John Boy's flown the ship, so it likes him. So right. he takes the ship and he goes out into the cosmos. Yes. And he starts at this one, they this Dr. Hephaestus. I think that's right. Jeff Corey, I think, sends him towards that guy because he was, used to be a weapons. I, I can't remember exactly now why. But he, he was going to give away. They think he can get give them weapons. Right. So he goes there in search of weapons and mercenaries and whatever. Yeah. And when he gets there... Well, he finds the planet yeah. is inhabited by androids and the doctor's daughter is the one working on them. Right. And she's never seen another organic life form except her father. Right. So it's been a lot of years since Jeff Corey's seen him. So she takes Space John Boy to the father and she said, well, he's he's changed since your whatever Jeff Corey's name, Zed or something Zed. like that. Has has seen him, and you go in there, and he's basically a Dalek. Yeah, but he's got his head sticking uh, or, up. The top. Or, so it's kind of like the pipe chair. Yeah, but, he's but a basically he's a pipe chair, but he doesn't. He can talk. He doesn't have to go boop. Yeah, boop. Right. So he's sitting in this. It's his head on this organic. I mean, on this mechanical Dalek-like pipe chair body thing. Yeah. And he doesn't have weapons for him. But right. he, but he wants John Boy to stay there and and breed with his daughter so it can kind of rebuild a civilization there and he's John Boy's like gotta go yeah but he he's not gonna let him leave so John Boy starts talking to the girl what was her name uh Nanelia Nanelia I think that it's something like that yeah anyway and he <laughs> explains his plight and he's got to save his people she she helps him escape right yeah she she gives in and helps him escape and yeah. then. He tells her to come with, and she says no, she can't leave her father, but then she second-guesses that and jumps in her own ship and follows him. Yeah, and tries to follow him. Mm-hmm. Next, I think he hooks up with Hannibal, Space Cowboy, right? I believe so. I think that's who he sees next. Anyway, the order's unimportant, how he, how he picks him up. It does not matter the story whatsoever no, what order no. he picks him up in. He's headed to this next place where he thinks he can find some mercenaries and yeah. on the way. He he meets Space Cowboy and he he's being chased by some bad guys fired upon, so John Boy helps him. Yep. And the process somehow the bad guys had killed 
the people that Space Cowboy was running guns to. Yeah. So he says, hey, how would you like a bunch of guns? Yeah. He's like, they're already paid for and I don't have anywhere to take them now. Yeah. So they're, they can be yours. And he's like, I could really use those, but we're going to need somebody to teach us how to use them. So. So Space Cowboy says he, he can teach on. it. Yeah. He said, I'll yeah. teach you how to use them, but I'm not going to be in the fight. Then he runs into. Nestor. Um, and yeah, I guess it runs into the Nestor. Yeah, the Nestor. Which is a race of beings that operate on a hive mind where one f- feels all of them feel. But there's five of them. Was it five or six of them five. on the ship? Five of them on the ship. <laughs> the cheesy dialogue says, he tells uh, the, the one that speaks to John Boy says, well, it takes four of us to run the ship. That's why, you know, even though we one person feels everything, it, where there's four here because it takes four to run the ship. And he says, why are there five? He says, oh, we always pack a spare. <laughs> <laughs> which was funnier than it should have been it was, yeah. it was really a dumb line but i still laugh yeah, <laughs> yeah anyway so yes, the they're on board because they just want the experience that's what they're out for is to experience things in the galaxy so they want the spirits of an adventure yeah so they sign on and then he runs into was it doesn't run into simple danning next the valkyrie i can't remember if that's She's next saint x-men yes uh of the Valkyrie warrior race. And they are like the, I don't forget which Indian tribe would do, or maybe a lot of them would do what called counting coup in battle where they didn't kill anybody, mm-hmm. but they had to prove that they touched them. All they had to do was be the first one to touch the enemy. Yeah. And that could be cutting off a scrap of their clothing, getting scalping them, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Whatever. Um. So that's what her thing was. And John Boy is like, that does us no good. <laughs> These people are trying to kill us. We need fighters. We don't need yeah. somebody playing well, games. Well, she didn't. She introduced. She didn't introduce herself. She just started fighting him mm-hmm. in space. You know, ship battle, and she, she got the first shot. She got the first shot the in. So she yeah. claimed victory and said, "I am Saint Xman of the Valkyrie. I have counted coup upon you. It was a very enjoyable fight. Enjoyable fight. But then all fighting is enjoyable." Right. Well, so then she finds out about this big battle coming up and she wants to join in. She's like, I want to sign up. And he's like, we don't want you because he's all pissed off, I guess, because he lost and she fought him and whatever. So he tells her to go away. In our youth, we must leave home and fight in many battles until we have proven ourselves. Well, you've proven yourself to be a pain in the neck. So why don't you just fly off? But she doesn't listen. She follows him anyway. Okay. Her outfit. He couldn't see her. I know, but we could. We could. Her ship is weird that it, not the outside but the inside. Inside it's like she's sitting in a sex swing. Well, no. I mean, she's sitting in a like a lounge thing. But she her, lays her legs down. are straddling this middle console. Yeah, it's... but but you don't see it a whole lot. No. But she's laying down. It's very weird. It is it's weird. It's just weird. But her outfit, I don't know how she kept her tits in that outfit. Well, they didn't keep her well, tits yeah. in there because they had to keep band-aids on the, her nipples because they kept falling yeah. out <laughs> and you, you can tell because oh yeah there are plenty of times Where, when there's no way in hell she's completely covered with no. that outfit well i kept looking because before i knew that they had covered her nipples yeah. with band-aids i thought that they had put flesh tone underneath the yeah like a flesh tone suit oh yeah because you could not see and there should be nipples there but anyway geographically there should be yeah <laughs> there should have been but the rest of her outfit is the weirdest damn thing. She's got this necklace hanging. And it looks like she's got, you know, ball sacks hanging from her necklace. <laughs> kind of, yeah. You know? Very, very low-hanging ball yeah, sacks. Yeah, oh, very but... <laughs> low. Yeah, what's well, an old necklace? 
<laughs> and the same thing for she changes outfits three times, and each one is as sexually or more sexually revealing yeah. than the previous. But this thing, these these things hanging from her belt and her necklace, it's just it's almost disturbing. There are many, many things in this movie that are very phallic or mm. or boob like or oh, well, okay. <laughs> While we're talking about that, let's talk about John Boy's ship. Okay, Space John Boy's ship. <laughs> well, when I first saw it, I thought that it was supposed to be like balls. Because from one angle, it looks like a hanging sack. Yes, but then once you see the ship in space, I thought that it was boobs. Yeah. Well, it that's kind of like the way boobs. it was designed. Yeah. So And that it, it worked as boobs. Cameron, that's the first, I think it might have been the first ship he designed or built for the, you know, the model for the, for the movie. Oh, yeah. And when Corman saw it, uh, he said, well, his idea was that it's a female AI, so the f- ship should have organic, like, female curves to it. Hmm. You know, so that's why he did that. And then Corman saw the design, he said, why does it look like that? He said, it's a... Pair- it's a female yeah, AI. It's a, it's a pair of tits in space, Roger. <laughs> and Corman was like, I like it. Go for it. Go with it. <laughs> Uh, but from another angle, it looks like the female reproductive, like a, a cross-section of the reproductive system. The edges look like where the ovaries are and the way it, it comes down. It's bizarre. It you, is, you really it have to see weird. it. Uh, and once you see it, you can never unsee it. Yeah, it's true. It's just kind of stuck in your head. Yeah. You see it every time. Which I guess added to the whole thing about how people say that how cheesy or bad this is. is This overt, not overt, but overt sexual yeah. you know, imagery. Oh, but the ne- okay. So the next person they come across, I believe, Napoleon. Is the last is Napoleon Solo. Yeah, which would have been the greatest name to use because it's a killer name. But two reasons: one, you can't use it because it's Man from Uncle, and two, there's already a Solo in space. That's true. Even though, no, no, this came out in eighty. So this, yeah, this was after it would have been much after, after Star Wars. Yeah. So instead, his name is Gelt. Gelt, which come to find out is, I believe, Hebrew or Yiddish for gold. Oh. And since he's a mercenary and he had that all works. that treasure mm-hmm. around him, you know. That works. Napoleon Solo is a way cooler name, but that's all oh, right. Yeah. We'll go yeah. with Gelt. His name is Gelt. But he signs on because Space John Boy says the only thing they can offer him is a warm meal and a home, a place mm-hmm. to stay. And he says, that's not, you know, he said, everything I've amassed in this room, I could buy your planet three times over. But your offer sounds very attractive to me because yeah. there's not a planet in this, you know, in the universe that I don't have a price on my head. So, a warm meal and a place to hide sounds good. Yep. So he signs on, and I think that's it, right? Yep, that's it. Okay, so we got our team. So that's like and the first half of the movie. Off they go. Yeah. And shenanigans ensue. Indeed. There's a big battle. Uh, a couple of skirmishes, big battles, and. The thing that sucks now, see, I don't remember again Magnificent Seven, Seven Samurai. It's been so long since I've seen them, but in this, everybody dies. Yeah, pretty much. Except Space John Boy and Nanelia. Mm-hmm. They're the only ones that live. Yeah, so but all the mercenaries die. All the mercenaries die. Oh, now, spoilers! <laughs> um, for the argument's sake, though, you could say that. Oh no, no, Nestor. that's not all. We forgot. We forgot. Oh. Oh, oh, the oh, lizard, oh, oh, Morgan Worldward. The yeah, 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 yeah. Laz, Lazalu, Lazalu. Yeah, yeah. What was the name of the race? Uh, I, it sounds like lizard. A oh, little yeah, bit. and the Kelvins. And the Kel- yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's one other before we get to the end. There's two others. He ends up coming across this lizard guy who kind of reminds me of Grig from Last Starfighter, mm-hmm. but green. 
uh, which is Morgan Woodward, hamming it up like a champ. Yeah. If he wasn't wearing that makeup, I couldn't picture you him acting know. that way. You wouldn't know, yeah, yeah. But the makeup's pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a cool. It's pretty good. Prosthetic piece. Yeah, yeah. And he's got these two beings with him called the Kelvin, who radiate heat or they communicate through temperature, which yeah. is weird. So that's the whole, that's the team. Yes. Now. Now we've got everybody. Yeah. But. Yeah, everybody, all the mercenaries that they hire get killed, mm-hmm. which kind of sucks. Yeah. So did the Kelvins didn't die, though, did they? The Kelvins. Oh, they used, might not have. The Kelvins, I think, lived. Yeah, because they, because they used they up they all their, their energy and they then they took them to like the infirmary. Yeah, yeah, they used up all their energy, yeah. but they didn't say they died. That's right. Well, so also, they might have lived. Argument can be made for the Nestor didn't die. Just those four, those five oh. representatives did. That's true. Because the rest of them were back on the planet, and since they're all of the hive mind and all of one being, those still are living. So the yeah. Nestor lived. Just technically, they lost a true. fingernail. They lost a finger. They lost five fingernails. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Even Nell, even the AI ship, buys it. Yes. They use the ship to kamikaze uh, space Saxon ship, mm-hmm. and John, Space John Boy and Anelia get out in a in a skate pod. Yeah. So, she dies, they die, everybody dies. Even uh, Jeff Corey dies. Everybody dies. Yeah. But, I mean, still in the end, it turns out to be a somewhat happy ending, even though everyone dies, because the planet ends up okay, the yeah. people end up okay. Yeah. John Boy and uh, Nanelia, am I saying that right? I, I, pronunciation, I can't remember exactly. Uh, are Are together. Yeah. You know, happily ever after, so to speak. And he says, he says to her that, his people believe that no one really dies as long as the people whose lives they've touched are still alive to remember them or something along those lines. Dun, dun, dun. So isn't that nice? Yeah. Yeah. But there are some cool things that go on. I mean, there's lots of cool. Yeah. Robert Vaughn has a great little moment there when he dies and you you think he might pull through because he got burned real bad, but he just ends up dying. And space John boy tells the guy, before they, you know, bury him or, or whatever, mm-hmm. he says, prepare a prepare meal. a meal full course mm-hmm. and bury him with it. And you're like, why? He says, that was our agreement. Mm-hmm. A meal and a place to hide. I'm yeah, like, that was That's nice. Cool, yeah, it was nice. You know? And then there's neat moments where, like the the Nestor arranged to have one of their five captured. Oh yeah, so then they could hear and... because they can all since they're hive mind they can all hear what happens. So yeah. the, Again, the, um, guy, the space Saxon yeah space plans. Saxon interrogates him, and as he's interrogating him, he asks, you know, do you have any any tolerance for pain? And he says almost none. <laughs> he's very happy to be interrogated. Apparently, well, because they're all about experiencing. Yeah, things. they're experiencing yeah. things, and. You know, he asks him questions, and the, and the Nestor never gives him any answers, of yeah. course. And then the interrogator guy goes to cut off the Nestor's arm because he wants to give it to Saxon. Apparently, Saxon needs a new arm, so he's going to put the Nestor's arm on, on Space yeah. Saxon. So as they cut off the Nestor's arm, which you don't see happening, yeah. but you see the after effects, the Nestor yeah, which dies. I forget if they say this, or if it's just implied, or I'm just reading into it, that Space Saxon is made up of spare parts. Because he keeps saying he wants to live forever. Yeah. So every time something wears out, he, he just they gets capture replaced. somebody and get a piece replaced. Yeah. 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 So they they attach the Nestor's arm to Space Saxon, and he thinks that this is amazing. He thinks his arm is very powerful. He really likes it. But then the other four Nestor, 
I guess because it's a piece of them, yeah, they can somehow control link. it. Yeah. So then they they try to use their own arm to slice his own throat. Yeah. Which was really cool yeah. and almost worked. Which would have ended the movie a lot quicker, but Saxon has the doctor take the arm back off real yes. quick. <laughs> off with the arm. Yeah, but it was neat. It was yeah, a really that, cool that was plan. A cool idea. It would have it yeah. would have worked. Shame that it didn't work, but yeah. you know, it's pretty nifty. And then the Valkyrie. Oh yeah, she has her glorious death. Yeah, she keeps talking about what is it? Our creed is to live fast, fight well, and have a beautiful ending. And John Boy tells her that no violent ending is beautiful. You've never seen a Valkyrie go down. So and she it, does. She has a she blows up. Yeah, she, she, she blowed up good. Blowed up a whole bunch of people. <laughs> she blowed them up. Her her outfits are worth watching the movie, if nothing else. <laughs> that last one was uh was something. It it was something. Now I look real close at all the the ships, especially low budget stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and the props, the guns, and all that. Because I'm you know I'm a big prop geek. I love that kind of stuff. The main ship of Doctor he- was it Hepatus Hephaestus. Anyway, the first guy, the the Dalek guy. <laughs> apparently Dalek his guy. the main part of his ship was made from a, a terrarium they found in the trash <laughs> they use that as the the starting point built the rest of the ship off of it and spray painted the whole thing gray you know amish terrarium uh, amish terrarium <laughs> <laughs> some of the guns you can't it's hard to see them. you can tell the one john boy gets you can see that one pretty good at one point the rest of them it's hard to see them the one he gets, the tip of it looks suspiciously like a Han Solo blaster. And why is that, Rob? And it, it's because it is. <laughs> I saw some still shots of a couple of the guns online, and I'll post these on the Facebook page. They took one of the toy Han Solo, the barrel from the Han Solo blaster, and then sculpted this organic stuff around it for the handle in the back of the gun. Hmm. The uh, One of the other guns, which I forget who has it in the movie... But they took one of the Stormtrooper rifle toys hmm. and sculpted the front of it, made the barrel different. There's uh, a gun that Sybil Danning has that I saw in some still pictures that I swear to God, I had this toy gun I, um, when I was a kid, got it at drugstore. And it was just a white ray gun, real small, and you, you click the button and just a like a flashlight on the front, basically. I don't even think it made any noise. But... The handle is unmistakable, and the, the body of it, mm-hmm. at least to me, because I remember having it as a kid. Right. But they just made the barrel longer they, and different, <laughs> different funny. shape on it. Uh, the guns that that Papard space uh, space Papard sells space Papard. <laughs> yeah, say that five times real fast. That he space when sells, cowboy. Yeah, that he gives them. Looking at in the movie, it looked like the Buck Rogers guns from the Buck Rogers show. Mm-hmm. They're just a black body, and the front is clear and lights up when it fires. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't get a real good look at them to tell, and I couldn't find pictures of them online anywhere. Oh, okay. So I don't know. A lot of the other ships look like they're just, they took various models, which is probably what they did. Probably And just so. glued together pieces and spray painted them, you know, solid colors and stuff. Hmm. That's always fascinating to me, though, to see that stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's pretty cool. And the, I tell you, the worst one. I mean, I love when they take things and build off of them. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars did that. Yeah. You know, the Star Wars blasters are all real life firearms, at yeah. least the first three movies were. And they just added stuff to them to make them blasters. Right. You know, space ray guns. 
But the worst one was what was that show? It wasn't Earth Two, was it? About I'm, ten years ago or so. Probably more than that. Where uh, I think Tim Curry was on it. Clancy went Clancy Brown in it. I didn't watch this. Anyway, it was some some sci fi show that was on network TV, I believe. Ten, it was ten years ago, so so. But the guns that they used, they didn't even add anything to them. They just took the some of the big Nerf. <laughs> yeah, you know, rifle guns and just spray painted them black. <laughs> That's too funny. And this was on television. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! Couldn't you have at least put, you know, painted them parts of them up different or, or added something on them, you know, so it wouldn't look like just a store bought Nerf gun? That's too funny. Oh, it was horrible. Ugh. At least with this one, you don't really see them that clearly, except for the John Boy gun. Yeah. So Earth Two was in 1994, Rob. With Clancy Brown. Well, maybe that's not the one I'm thinking of then. Okay. Because it was an, a similar show where they went through some portal or something to a different version of Earth or something like that. Oh, wait. Well, I don't think that Clancy Brown was in it. You're not thinking of that terra firma thing. That may have been it. With the dinosaurs? Uh, I don't know if dinosaurs were in it. There was so a lot of the shows were the so much the same. I'm getting <laughs> yeah. confused. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. It's just my thing about prop guns. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. Now we watched this on what was it Amazon Prime? Yes. I believe I don't know if it's out on Blu-ray, but I I think it was put out in a Corman might have been a double movie set with something else Corman Classics, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's on Tubi also. Easy to get a hold of this. Oh yeah, definitely. and watch it. Uh, and a lot, of, and again, if you like cheesy sci-fi, space movies, this one's this one's a lot of fun to watch. Oh yeah, a lot of fun, and it's uh, it's, it's cheesy, but it's of... not insulting to your intelligence, right? Well, and it's got a lot of interesting characters to yeah. see too. It's not just yeah. it's not just a boring, you know, set of people and yeah. and a neat plot. It's it's. It's a lot of interesting things. This going is on. one that now I cannot stand remakes. Okay, you, everybody knows that mm-hmm. I hate remakes with a passion, with very few exceptions. Right. Um. This one would be interesting as a to be remade though. Yeah, I you can know, see. Yeah, with a maybe. bigger budget, a better you know a better dialogue and a better script. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it's kind of a timeless story. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, it, it essentially it's, was it's a remake. Re- yeah, it's a remake of a remake <laughs> of a remake. I mean, you know, uh, it's like, you know, Rio Lobo has been remade uh, two or three, four times, four or five times. Yeah, yeah, no, and just changing the seat, the setting, right? Is it Rio Lobo, and then even was it Rio Bravo? They're almost the same, but um, you know, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, right? Is 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 that? And Carpenter freely admits that he was that's he was making his updated version of that story because right, he right. loved it. Yeah. And then they well, we're not even talking about the remake of Assault and Priest thirteen, but I think Ghost of Mars might have been kind of a remake of that. So huh. this one would be one I would be interested to see a remake of if it was done well in the yeah. same spirit. You know? And not and not cheesy and throwing a bunch of comedy. Like I don't want to see a you know, a Guardians of the Galaxy version. Well, the problem is though since this one is kind of thought of as is a bit cheesy mm-hmm. as is, I believe the remake would probably take it to that next level. Yeah, well, that's just the trend nowadays. I know, but you that's know? what I'm saying right now. And that's some what things, would happen. Some things it works fine. Guardians of the Galaxy, 
that's what that movie needed, I think, was that kind of approach. Mm-hmm. Um, adapting all the other Marvel movies to have that kind of cheesy humor, I think it just it just turned me off to them. Yeah. You know. Well, I when don't you know can't, that this one would Yeah, that's work. the thing about it. Comedies, good comedy is hard, okay, to get right. Oh, yeah, for sure. But when you can't do serious, you don't have the ability to do it, or you don't have the faith in doing it, they go for the cheap laugh. Yeah. And that's the way a lot of these types of movies turn out to be. That's true. You know? Yeah. And well, that's I mean, the, that's that's what the they easy did. way out. Yeah. But that's what they did to, like, the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, horrible. Well, those were terrible. Yeah. Because instead of approaching it serious, as a, as a serious, as fantasy, a serious movie. fantasy movie, yeah. which it could have been a great serious fantasy movie, they just went for the cheese. Yeah. And there was no need for it. I mean, look at Lord of the Rings. Mm hmm. You know, now exactly. given you've got fabulous material to work with from Lord of the yeah. Rings, well, that's, but there's plenty of great material yeah. in the Dungeons but and Dragons they world. They could have turned it. They could have into a piece of crap. Yeah, yeah, and the Dungeons and Dragons is a rich back there's history tons of tons of stuff, stuff they could have yeah. drawn from. But like I said, it it's lazy writing. Yeah. To go for the cheap laugh like yeah. that in a lot of things. I mean, there's certainly a place for that. There's a place for it, and it does. Like I said, Guardians of the Galaxy, it worked fine. Yeah. Suicide Squad, the first movie, I had no desire whatsoever to see, and I haven't seen it. I saw a trailer for the new ver- the new sequel or yeah. whatever, and even though I, I really have no desire to see that either because I cannot stand the character of Harley Quinn, <laughs> um, and I, I used to like Harley Quinn until... Everybody and their sister thinks they're Harley Quinn now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just over, over, overdone. But this new trailer looks more like, what, is it James Gunn? Yeah, it's James Gunn. Yeah, so it's more like the Guardians of the Galaxy feel. And it seems to me that with what they're trying, those characters, what they're trying to do, and in this these type of movies, it's going to work a whole lot better yeah. than the first movie did. Well, I did see the first one, and it was a piece of crap in my opinion. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. This one looks like it has a half a chance, if for no other reason than two things. James Gunn, Nathan Fillion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and also, too, you know, I've, I've never been a, I can't say I'm a fan or know much about the character Peacemaker, but I know what he looks like. Yeah. And unless I'm mistaken, they nailed his costume spot on. Yeah. Which... My hat's off because they changed so much in these movies. Uh, get away from the source material with the costumes. It's like, why even do it then? Yeah. If yeah. the characters aren't recognizable, why even do it? But that's another soapbox there. Anyhow, we yeah. have gone off on a tangent somewhere yeah. down a rabbit hole. <laughs> but Battle Beyond the Stars. Oh, hey, originally, I find out originally it was called Battle Amongst the Stars. Oh. And there were some posters released. That um, had the name amongst. Yeah, so I need to look for that and see yeah. if I can find some images of that and put on the little Facebook page there. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, be sure to check out the Facebook page here for the podcast. I will put up as many pictures as I can find. Hopefully, try to find some behind the scenes kind of picture. You know, some interesting stuff. Yeah, and we'll throw the trailer up there and maybe some other cool stuff if I can find it. Yeah. So, did you feel that George Pappard's character, uh, Space Cowboy, was really just? kind of a precursor to his A-team role. Oh, to Hannibal? Yeah, to Hannibal. Um, he kind of played it. Not that he had any clue that's what was going to no. happen, because he hadn't done it yet. But... Yeah, I, they're kind of a similar. But I mean, they they're were... both kind of real laid back. I think, But Hannibal is more 
has a plan. Hannibal definitely has more of a plan. He's more true. of a serious character, but he, oh, definitely. but he plays it casual. Yeah. But I mean, in this, I mean, he had the, he smokes a pipe. Is a pipe or cigar? He had a, in this, he had a pipe. Oh, okay. Um, but he, he constantly had a, a pipe and he, I don't know, some of the humor that he had. Yeah. Was similar yeah. to to Hannibal. Well, maybe it's more, um, he's he's just playing more of himself. Yeah, I, I kind of wondered that. That's you know? where I was going. Yeah. I didn't know if that was just kind of him or if it just happened to be yeah. what he ended up using in Hannibal later. I don't know. I don't know. It's just curious to me. Oh, oh, um, I have to mention, coming out soon, NECA, the toy oh, company right. NECA, yeah. is producing uh, a Sybil Danning St. X-Men, X-Men figure. Yep. Which looks fantastic. <laughs> it's the she's wearing the second costume with a red bodice, yeah, and still the ball sack necklace. <laughs> but crazy necklace. The figure looks amazing. And it does look really good. I, I I'm kind of tempted. What size is that? Probably eight or nine inch figure. I imagine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, stand. Well, I say standard. They're all there's no standard size action figures now, but I Not think it's anymore. that size. But it does. It looks fantastic, and I'll try to put a picture of that up too. Give them some free advertising. <laughs> nice. Well, I think that's about it. I don't really have a whole lot more to say about this, other than, you know, we had a good time watching it. Yeah. It was a good time. I had a lot it's of fun. It's not high art. <laughs> no. It is not, but I had a great time watching it. It was a lot of fun. I was not bored at yeah. any point. If you if you were a fan of Star Crash, <laughs> this is a couple steps above Star Crash oh, quality-wise. You know, if you're a fan of Corman, this has got to be on your list to see if you haven't seen it yet. Because it is one of his more well-known pictures yeah and uh again it's just a lot of fun it's a it's a good fun watch get together with some people grab some pizza you know yes have a good evening indeed and I, this doesn't matter at all but the whole day or the whole uh podcast we've been calling him john boy do you remember what his actual name was because in my head i called him john boy the entire movie yeah it's shad shad that's Which right it because like... it sounded like shat a lot yeah it sounds it? like there's, there's... Saying he took a shat. Yes, the whole that's time. right. How could I forget that? Yeah. Not, not the shat. No, 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 not the shat. Yeah, but, but shat. The but verb. it's shad. Shad. S H A D. That's right. Yeah, even when it was on screen and he said shad, because we always watch the closed captions, yeah. you know. But yeah, when it said shad on screen, in my head, I still said John Boy. Yeah, <laughs> that's terrible. Space anyway. John. Space John Boy. Space John Boy. <laughs> Well, oh dear. I think that's about it, except we have one more thing left to do. We do. We have to play the Planet of the Apes game to prove that the world revolves around Planet of the Apes. Now you wanted to you wanted me to record like a, a drop in for this explaining the game so you could you just drop in every that. time. <laughs> yes, because you go over this every time. I don't do it every time, but you know, a couple times I I haven't done it. But then I got to think, well, if it's somebody's first time listening, they're gonna go, "What the hell is it? are you doing playing the apes?" What is this? Clayton and I discovered many many years ago, probably over twenty years ago, long before the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, we discovered that you can connect anything back to the original Planet of the Apes movie series. Within a few steps. So, and it proves that the world revolves around Planet of the Apes. So, at the end of each episode, just about here, Phyllis throws me somebody from the movie that we're talking about, and I connect them back to Planet of the Apes. So, that's what we're going to do now. Indeed. And you know, many episodes, I often debate, who should I use? 
Who have we not had a chance to use before? But this time, there's too many people to use. <laughs> I don't know. Let's do... I'm so torn. How can I choose just one? I'll do two. Okay. Do... Napoleon Solo first. Okay, Robert Vaughn. <laughs> He's Napoleon Solo. Okay, Napoleon Solo. <laughs> Robert Vaughn, go ahead. I could do I could do Napoleon. I know Solo. you could do Napoleon okay, Solo. Robert Vaughn to let's see uh <laughs> to the Magnificent 7. Okay? How appropriate. Yul Brenner. Mhm. To the Ultimate Warrior with William Smith to the Planet of the Apes TV series. Nice. Very well done, sir. You're welcome. That was very quick. Who's next? <laughs> All right. And then do do John Boy. John Boy. Okay. Richard Thomas mm -hmm. was in The Waltons with Ralph Waite, played his father. Okay. Ralph Waite was in Cool Hand Luke with Anthony Zerby. Who's an Omega Man with Charlton Heston, Planet Apes? Well, alrighty then. Well, once again, you have proven the world does indeed revolve around Planet of the Apes. Yes, it does. So go watch all the original Planet of the Apes movies because they're awesome. And <laughs> go watch Battle Beyond the Stars. Indeed. Well, that's about all I got. How about you? That's it. Well, all right. So till next time, thanks for listening, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night, Elizabeth. Good night, cowboy.